Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan marhaban bikum everyone. Welcome to Friday Night Live. Friday Night Live has been the trademark here for Miftah Institute. Uh, we have people joining us from all across the world as they give you advice and they give you love and muhabba and they remind us of the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We have beautiful reciters that come on from all across the world and we also have artists who you know recite the poems of the prophet sallallahu and love of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and words that melt our hearts many of them many of us understand some of it but in all in all we un- we understand the concept and the context of the poems and the lessons of these poems tonight inshallah we'll have a beautiful artist joining us uh ustad muad annas very dear friend of ours who has joined us multiple times and we all also have uh, a person who was a pastor uh, a pastor for so many years uh, he was a minister a priest he converted to islam and now alhamdulillah he is a good example for the muslim community we'll learn from some of his lessons what helped him convert to islam especially when you're teaching christianity and you are a very a strong influence in your church or your community it's great to have him here tonight mufti abdul wahab will be joining me very shortly um we want to start off by inviting our own original uh hafiz nurul huda who is a instructor a teacher at miftah talent for our children our youth who are getting the special experience at miftah talent where they they join with a reciter from our miftah uh, from our associate, from our sister institute, uh, Michigan Islamic Institute, it's a boarding program where they are becoming scholars, ulama. Salamu alaikum, Noor. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, good, great. You look much better where, where you are now. The turban looks nice. Exactly. Um, the camera is absolutely making you look better. You are a good-looking guy, but you know it's good to see you smile on camera. Exactly. Um, we are going to have you recite Quran for us and anyone that knows uh, anything about Miftah Talent, you can go onto our website. All the all the slots are full for Miftah Talent. And Noor, are you teaching any of my kids this semester? Yes, uh, I have Zakaria. Zakaria. So is he improving? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Okay, I'm going to check him. I'm going to test him. Sure. But you've definitely built uh, interest in my children, in my nephews, in my friends' children. We have uh, Yusuf, Mu'ad, uh, Hassan, Zakaria, and there are kids in my community also that are joining the programs all across America and Canada. And their their kids are reciting Quran loud at home. My kids are too. So, you know, some things we can inspire. Sometimes we need to leave a message to our children that they're also going to be a next generation that's going to teach our children too. So, Nurul Huda, your hands are going to be tied up with my kids. So make sure you learn your education well because... You know, we're going to get old and, and our children will, you know, really depend on the next generation. So we're really proud of Noor. May Allah protect him, protect his family, preserve him, inshallah. Bismillah, Noor. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ 
أَنْزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَأَخْرَجْنَا بِهِ ثَمَرَاتٍ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهَا وَمِنَ الْجِبَالِ جُدَدٌ بِيضٌ وَحُمْرٌ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهَا وَغَرَابِيبُ سُودٌ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ وَالدَّوَابِّ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ كَذَلِكَ إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء إنما يخشى الله من عباده العلماء إن الله عزيز غفور إن إن الذين يتلون كتاب الله يتلون كتاب الله وأقاموا الصلاة وأنفقوا مما رزقناهم سرا وعلانية وأنفقوا مما رزقناهم سرا وعلانية يرجون تجارة لن تبور ليوفيهم أجورهم ويزيدهم من فضله إنه غفور شكور والذي أوحينا إليك من الكتاب هو الحق مصدقا لما بين يديه إن الله بعباده لخبير بصير ثم أورثنا الكتاب الذين اصطفينا من عبادنا فمنهم ظالم لنفسه ومنهم مقتصد ومنهم سابق بالخيرات ومنهم سابق بالخيرات بإذن الله ذلك هو الفضل الكبير جنات عدن يدخلونها يحلون فيها من أساور من ذهب ولؤلؤا ولباسهم فيها حرير وقالوا الحمد لله الذي أذهب عنا الحزن إن ربنا لغفور شكور الذي أحلنا دار المقامة من فضله 
لا يمسنا فيها نصب ولا يمسنا فيها لغوب صدق الله العظيم سبحان الله تكبير الله أكبر تكبير الله أكبر تكبير الله أكبر نور that was beautiful I know you know the part where people of Jannah reach Jannah and they start to say Alhamdulillahilladhi adhaba anna al-hazan Inna rabbana laghafurun shakur And when you when we were reciting these verses Nur, it, as if I was already we were experiencing paradise the, the way the Quran is so clear and your voice is mashallah very beautiful it really I, can, I can't imagine Jannah and the beauty of Jannah and may Allah reward you for, for reminding us of that paradise and may Allah make dua for Nur brothers and sisters Please give your salam and give your du'as for our young brother Hafiz Noor. Inshallah, we will see him again. Jazakallah khair, Noor. Why are you so quiet? Are you scared? Why are you so quiet? <laughs> I'm listening to you. Jazakallah. Take care, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. All right. I'd like to invite on Mufti Abdul Wahab sitting there reclining. Mufti oh, Saab, you got a job to do, man. You can't you can't sit back and relax. <laughs> I was what? <laughs> gotta change it up, huh? No, we I gotta get you. I was watching you, Bajan, and you know, and mashallah, listen to and enjoying the recitation of the Quran. Um, see, see, you're you're young, and you just started, brother. You know, you can't sit back yet. You know, I can't, I can't sit back and relax yet. You can't sit back. It's, you're always gonna be on the edge of the chair. You know, no, it's not the no, la rahata ba'd al You know, you know that statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he. Bajan, you want to refresh your screen? You, you want me to refresh my screen? It's just a little, it's a little, it's a blurry. Don't mind. Sheikh Abdullah will be back inshallah in a few seconds. Um, no, <laughs> oh, man, mashallah, may Allah bless everyone that's joined from uh, every part that they. So Bajan, you're back. Yeah, how's it look? It looks better. It looks good. It looks good. Honestly, man, if you're, we're gonna have these, um, if the camera and the Wi-Fi, it's not gonna do justice to my looks. We're gonna it's have. Not, to it's not because you know those looks need live, uh, a live audience. What's going on, Mufti Dohab? How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, Bajan. Just you know, at the at the school and you know, preparing for the Friday night live. This has become a routine in our schedule. Um, it's another session that we do amongst the the live sessions. But of course, we also have our teaching that we do for our, our full-time school in in Miftah. But um, it's, it's, this Friday night live thing, Bajan, has been a beautiful blessing for us and for I'm sure for the audience as well uh, to be able to see a diversity of speakers, panels, artists from different parts of the country, the par parts of the world. Like w even we were not introduced to them before this. So I'm um, hoping that inshallah everyone else is enjoying them too. And we have a beautiful session today, uh, a different type of session. Inshallah, excited, excited, excited. Hopefully you will benefit and enjoy. How's your day, Bajan? I can't complain with this. You know, uh, in Flint, we had to close our masjid down. People were asking, people were asking when you were doing the live virtual khutbah, like, well, why are you doing a live khutbah? Yeah, and you know, alhamdulillah, you know what happened in the beginning when COVID happened, everybody just, you know, went into the right, they did the right thing because we were, our hospitals were flooded and exhausted. Our resources were exhausted and we couldn't find masks and, and sanitizers back in the days and toilet papers. Remember <laughs> that? I can't yeah. believe we went through a time in our life like that. And then yeah. alhamdulillah, things got settled, people recovered. And the mortality rate has gone down, you know, greatly. Um, but still, COVID is still, ha uh, it's still active and we don't have a vaccine. And uh, the only vaccine that we're looking at is from Russia, Russia, vaccine from Russia and the vaccine from China. 
China so, and if you want to use a vaccine from China, you're going to be a Chinese product. So, which is which is ninety percent of us are already Chinese products. Yeah, exactly. So we we don't know what's happening right now. What's left? So we're going to ask Allah to He saves us, and we do what our we do our best to protect ourselves. So there was it's, there was a small um, uh, breakout in our in city of Flint in in a Muslim community of COVID, and uh, people are safe. Alhamdulillah, everyone's recovering. But you know we have to be careful. You know, like even one two cases is a major issue because we're so connected. We have a masjid, people come for salah, and we want to make sure nobody is in contact with the person that was exposed to someone or has is carrying COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to make sure that. So our masjid was really proactive in that sense, and I think we did the right thing for, for this discussion. To uh, We don't want to be the reason where we're jeopardizing someone's life. And Jummah is important. Salah in the masjid is important. But life, safety of life, hifdud nafs. Is also very important. very important, and inshallah, this will help us become more cautious. And inshallah, those who are sick, they'll you open up soon, Jan. You gotta open up soon, inshallah. Yeah, we gotta open. Up. Everybody thought I had COVID too. Oh man, because I was in contact with some people that had COVID. I didn't know they had COVID. Yeah, you never had COVID though. You tested. I have to be at the event sometimes. You know, the, you know whether it's a wedding or like a you know some jumaat, wherever you go, there's gonna be people there. And uh, so everybody was just, and I have, I teach at the school. I have my kids at the school, engaging with the community. So I, I got, I got, I got hammered with messages like, you know, Sheikh, we're praying for you. I heard you got COVID. I, I, I wasn't even tested yet. People were like, rumors, I have COVID, and I'm spreading COVID. I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. I got up the same day, and may Allah reward uh, the people at Double I Double N. They got me in and got tested. Took my sample. They put the swab in my nose. Oh man. It tickles. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons why I haven't got tested yet. But I'm yeah, so it. you know, and 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 I, I mean, not a big deal. But alhamdulillah, I came out negative. Everyone was on their edge, just like what's going on. But uh, in the end of the day, we have to protect ourselves. And alhamdulillah, Allah will keep us healthy. So that's what's happening. So we're going to be on virtual from Flint, and you guys watch us on Juma there. Alhamdulillah. But Jen, we want to start with the, the next artist that we have. We've introduced him a few times, and. We've had him on Miftah a few times. No, alhamdulillah, we have um, a few artists that are now like a, a part of Miftah's fabric. And uh, we have some Arabic artists, we have some English, and we have some Urdu. So all three languages, we have our we have our Miftah artists in a sense. So what happens when people sing Urdu, right? The Arabs don't understand what's going on. And and when they someone comes to sing in English, don't everybody understands. Everybody, okay. everybody understands. But when someone comes to speak in, uh, sing in Arabic, even the people who don't know Urdu, they enjoy it. Uh, don't know Arabic. They, Arabic. they enjoy Arabic. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know Arabic. They enjoy it because it's the language of the Quran, language of the Prophet Sallallahu And some of the lyrics like Tala Al Badru and Qamarun, it's people been know. people know these uh, lyrics. So it's really interesting and really fascinating to have someone come sing Arabic. Arabic is my favorite language, you know. Then of course Urdu, and and also Je parle français. Oh God, Je parle français. I I, I speak French. So comment ça va? Ça va bien? No. You know those French people when they talk, they like they make all these facial reactions. You, you meet French people, Bijan? No, no, I'm staying away from the French fries nowadays. COVID. <laughs> but um, I love the people from um, from the from from Montreal, Quebec, and uh, wherever they speak French in the world. Alhamdulillah, how you're doing, Shuyukh and. Ayyuhal Mufti, Sayyidi. How are you? 
Alhamdulillah, I'm good, good. I so I'm glad to you... be back again in your show. Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much. We we admire you so much, and we uh, really really look forward to you coming on. I told my kids that you'll be joining us today, and my son and my nephew were like, "Oh, the one that has a duff." I said, <laughs> "Yeah." He's like, "He sings good." They're yeah. all excited. They're all excited. Alhamdulillah, it's my honor to be here. Alhamdulillah. How's your family? How are your, your children? Everyone doing well? Alhamdulillah, everyone is good. Alhamdulillah. How's your father? Hafizahullah. How's your father who's a sheikh? How's he doing? Alhamdulillah, he was like months ago a little bit sick, but Alhamdulillah, uh, now he's good. He's in Syria? He's in Syria. And actually, my grandmother passed away last week. If we can make dua for her, everyone here. Uh, my dad's uh, mother. Our dear brother Mu'adh, Nas' grandmother passed away and he's asking us to make special dua for her. We ask Allah, all of us who are here watching 600 plus people who are watching live and those who are listening later, Please keep her in your du'as. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to elevate her status um, and give her for those with the righteous people, with the Prophet without hisab, and make her children and her grandchildren a sadqa jariya and give them sabr jameel. I'm so sorry. I, um, I, I'm i so sorry on the loss of your grandmother. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you the reward of sabr jameel. Amen. Jazakumullah khairan for your du'a. Inshallah, all of us on our own, we should recite some Quran, a Fatiha, a Surah, and bless her soul, inshallah. Amen. Amen. Um, welcome, Brother Mu'ad. And so your father is doing well in Syria. I know there is a there is this concern in Syria that COVID has, you know, almost everyone in Damascus, I heard, has COVID or has been exposed to COVID. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what, like three weeks ago, it was really bad, but now the situation much better. Like three, weeks, three weeks ago, like uh, a lot of uh, Aldi people, uh, passed away, you know, they get the COVID and yeah. Allahumma hafad, Allahumma hafad. May Allah make it easy all over the world. Allahumma yassir, ameen, ameen. You know, the Syrian condition is very tough all across these countries like Yemen, Syria, who are, who are already, uh, they have already been in the middle, they've been in the middle of a war for many years. Syria, almost 10 years, right? Yeah. And and uh, Yemen for many years and, uh, and I can imagine Gaza and other places in the world where they already have shortage of medical facilities, healthcare, and now COVID coming, where are they going to find hospitals? Their hospitals have been bombed. Uh, their safety shelters have been destroyed. May God help and, and revive them. It's very, very hard talking about it, but our du'as and our love and our money and our wallets, inshallah, our lives are for them, inshallah. Thank you so much for joining. I know you have a heavy heart today, and tonight he's going to really melt us even more. So. We're waiting for him. Well, Mu'ad, what do you what, what do you want to what do you want to start with? To um, inshallah, make I will start with the salawat uh, about the Prophet sallallahu Then everyone can also join. Decide, join also and you do stay on screen. Join you, Bishan. You gonna stay on screen? I'm gonna get off. You can join him, Bishan. Um, if, if I know how to sing the salawat, I'll sing with him. You know that will help you in your viewership. What do you think? <laughs> It would definitely help in the viewership. I know that for sure. But yeah, no, no, I wouldn't listen to him, and and I, I'll probably step away just to okay. give him his privacy. It's all you. Bismillah. Sallallahu <laughs> 
مولانا نحن فداك رب الناس لقد صفاك يا مولانا نحن فداك رب الناس لقد صفاك لما تولاك واصطفاك من ولد عدنان يا 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 مرفوع الشان يا حبيب الله حبيبنا يا رسول الله يا سيدنا فيك يا مولانا سدنا يا مرفوع الشان يا 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 مرفوع الشان اشرب شرب أهل الصفا الله الله تار العجائب تار العجائب مع رجال المعرفة الله الله والوقت طيب والوقت طيب اشرب شرب أهل الصفا الله الله تار العجائب تار العجائب مع رجال المعرفة الله الله والوقت طيب والوقت طيب اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام أوصيك بتقوى الله في سرك والإعلان أوصيك بتقوى الله في سرك والإعلان وتيقن أن الله حاضر في كل مكان إذا نفعك الله حاشا يضرك إنسان إذا نفعك الله حاشا يضرك إنسان صفيها من الغشاش إن كنت تطاوعني اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام يا قلبي ثق بالله فهو المعطي المانع يا قلبي ثق بالله فهو المعطي المانع وارضى بقضاء الله إنك لله راجع ماذا في علم الله الخيرة في الواقع تدبيرك ما يسواش عن تدبيرك دعني اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام اللهم صل على المصطفى حبيبنا محمد عليه السلام اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد ما شاء الله ما شاء الله ما شاء الله uh, this was so beautiful i mean the voice was beautiful the praises of the prophet sallallahu alaihi were so touching you know it's just it says ala muhammadin salatul abrar salla alayhi tayyibun al akhyar قد كنت قواما بكاء بالأصحار ويا ليت شعري والمنايا أطور وهل تجمعني وحبيبي التار These poems make us pray that one day we will see Muhammad Rasulullah You know and enjoy his presence You know and that, that, that those, those praises of the Prophet You know 
you know, ma im madahtu Muhammadan bi maqalati walakin madahtu maqalati bi Muhammadan. Like, you know, it's these poems are beautified by by the name and the and praises of the Prophet. What do you think, Mufti Sab? Oh man, Bajan. That was that was that was hard touching. What a start. What a start. Starting off with the dhikr of the Prophet. It's, it's the the way he read it, and also um I think everyone feels a distance from the Prophet because we have not been able to go for Umrah and Hajj. Um, and naturally, for people that are go, that go normally, it, it hits the spot even more. Um, you know that you know, you know that saying, "Dhikr al ya Mawla ya Askarani." Dhikr al ya Mawla ya Askarani. Allah, Allah, Allah. It's a story to this, but we don't have time for the story. But you know, you know, your remembrance continues to intoxicate me. You know, someone you love, like your love, O Prophet, it continues to intoxicate me. And just an extreme love for you. Have you ever seen a lover that has never been intoxicated? Like that's in sense of emotionally intoxicated, emotionally driven, where that person's pleasure is the most important thing to you. I mean, if, if, if we're going to love, if we're going to be that person that's intoxicated, who better, better to love than the Prophet And what way to start off a program when, other than Mu'ad and Nas reciting poems, but the Mu'ad, that was so beautiful. Your your voice, the lahan, the, 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 the words, Jamil Jiddan, Allah Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah. Look at it and join because if I join, they're going to ask me to sing and not you. So See, everybody sure. wants me to sing. You know? I want you to sing, but just... Go for it. Go for it. They, I will they, help they you. Should, they should go to Indian Idol and see I, I, performance on Indian Idol. You know? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you know? Uh, but my performance is only uh, good for people who don't have the power to listen. <laughs> so I, I really not, I don't have the, the, the greatest voice. And you know one of the one of the things that a person should understand and recognize that there's some things they're just not good at. You know, like <laughs> you have a beautiful voice, Bajan. I, I, but I you have the great mahabba. Every mahabba. You know, I, I I think you know if I I I, I hope I have that mahabba, inshallah. But I I want to keep it in, in action. I don't want to sing it. You don't, don't want to sing it. You don't want you don't, you don't want to expose that. Yeah, because you know there are people they they might just uh, they might lose respect for me. I don't want to lose. <laughs> I don't want to shame myself, but uh, inshallah, as we as we go down the road, we'll, we'll get we'll get Sheikh Abdullah to sing one of these days. But right now, we have um, the legend on us, which is Muad al Nas. Yeah, how can we sing when you're here? We'll let him continue. What do you have next? Um, Qamaron. Everyone know Qamaron. If you want, beautiful, beautiful. Bismillah. Bismillah. And after that, if you have anything about um, the praise of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Specifically, if you have anything, okay, I will do the brace of Allah first, then we'll do Kamarun. Allahumma salli Muhammad. Allahu, 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 Allah, Allahu, Allah, Allahu, 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 Allah, 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 Allah,
هذا الغنى وأنت الذي لم تزل محسينا الله 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 لا إله إلا الله وصحبه وسلم قمرون قمرون قمر سيدنا النبي قمر الله الله وجميل 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 سيدنا النبي وجميل وأجمل منك لم تر قط عين الله وأكمل منك لم تلد النساء الله الله وأجمل منك لم تر قط عين الله الله وأكمل منك لم تلد النساء الله الله خلقت مبرأ من كل عيب خلقت مبرأ من كل عيب كأنك قد خلقت كما 
You know, I, mashallah, that was so beautiful. That was so beautiful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, Brother Mu'ayyad. You hit um you hit every every chord of the heart. Every string, mashallah, with your voice. May Allah accept, inshallah. Sometimes, you know, of course, the voice makes a big difference, but the heart that reads behind it and also the words, uh, the right words that you chose and the right nashis that you chose, all of that plays I, a big I think it, I really think it's all about, it's, the words can be read by anybody. Mm. I think it's about the, the reciter. He mm. has to have the heart. Heart. The, the heart. It's about the ruh. You know, you have to be connected. You know, there's a lot of people that say things and they sing things, you mm. know. Uh, but there's like it's repetitive parrot, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't touch you. But mashallah, brother Muad, every time he comes on, That's you have a very nice voice. At the same time, qalb salim, mashallah, may Allah reward you. <laughs> mashallah. Inshallah, may Allah forgive me. Inshallah. No, no, inshallah, may Allah protect you, all of us, and forgive all mm -hmm. of us. But you know, you're our guest, and we really appreciate your time. May Allah reward your family for allowing you to be with us tonight. Thank you so much. Alhamdulillah. Wa alaykum. Alhamdulillah. 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 Please don't press the end. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. 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 Next time, next time. Because we already got entertainment. You can't have two good singers. You can't have two singers. You can't give them everything on the same day, Bajan. You got to make them, you know, gotta make them it's eager a for it. Meal. It's only a one-course meal. Yeah, you can't have like a five-star meal, then have another five-star meal. You don't value it. Oh. <laughs> so you're not going to value my voice. So we could, oh, we're man. going to, you know, next time when you don't have an artist, uh, sign me up. 
You got, I'll put you as the artist. Right, yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to be remarkable. Welcome. Welcome. Brother Richard. Assalamualaikum alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Doing well. Doing well. Alhamdulillah for joining us tonight. And uh, I know you, you had to wait a little bit. I hope you enjoyed some of the recitation. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. I enjoyed it immensely. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. We, we, are, uh, we are blessed to have you, Brother Richard, with us. And we've met in the past in person at the Muslim Unity Center. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, doing well. Alhamdulillah, good. How is your family doing this COVID and this these troubling times? We're staying inside and home a lot. How are you getting your supplies? Are you getting them delivered? Is someone serving you? you have your children helping you out? Yes, we had some people uh, initially who was uh, going grocery shopping for us. Uh, now, I, you know, we feel a little better about going out. And going so out. We're going out some, yeah. I mean, at the beginning of things, everybody was kind of, you know, we were afraid of every little, there were germs flying everywhere, and and uh, we had wiped down the groceries and all that, and we kind of realized we'd have to do that now. So. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep you safe, your family safe, and we're very mm -hmm. blessed that you're joining us tonight. Go ahead. Just introduce Brother Richard to the crowd. Um, so the goal of Friday Night Live is, again, to bring different stories and different people that can help inspire us uh, through any way, through any medium that is permissible, of course. Uh, Brother Richard's story is uh, an inspiration. He was spent uh, the majority of his life, 70 years, 70 plus years of his life um, as a Christian and 50 years of those were as a Christian minister. Uh, and um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him Hidayah two years ago in 2018 in the month of Ramadan and um, guidance comes at different times for different people and uh, the, at the end of the day it, it depends uh, how we leave some people uh, live a long life without without deen and Allah gives it to them that's it that's all that matters so brother Richard we wanted you to join today we've met in person a few times and uh, I've read your story and uh, we've heard your story before uh, you were traveling with Sheikh Yusuf Estes before the COVID as well um, in this in this in this session. Rather than giving people, you know, the the the, the uh, you know a, a bundle of advice, we actually want to just benefit from the story, right? Because sometimes we get caught up in the advice and we can't really enjoy the the, the journey. Because the journey is what motivates people, right? Um, you know, if we the journey of the prophet is the entire sila, so hence we learn it, right? Uh, he's yeah. not just our prophet that we love; we love him for the entire sila that he gave us. So, brother Richard, Zakhir for joining us, and uh, sure. we're going to kick it right off, and we're going to ask you the first question that. Uh, you 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 were you were born as a Christian. You lived in Maryland from for the majority of your life. Uh, and what yes. made you be firstly? What made you become a Christian minister? Like was that something in your family, or was that something that just mm. happened with you? Uh, that's kind of a unique situation. I was raised in a non-church going, uh, non-religious kind of family. And uh, when I was twelve, there was a uh, a friend of mine who lived about. Uh, about 10, 10 uh, houses away, and we got to be friends. And her mother uh, kind of took interest in us and shared with us the the story of Christianity and uh, led us into uh, the Christian prayer to uh, become a Christian. And uh, so well, at that time, your family was your family was not a Christian family. They were not a church going family. No, no. No, they weren't. Is that, is that a norm? Is, is that is that is that becoming? Of course, it's becoming more common now. But was that common even in that era? No, mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was rare. Okay. Um, 
back at that point of time, uh, you know, there was a whole concept of generation. My parents had gone through World War II, and uh, all the families had, had gone through uh, the uh, the great difficulties there with, um, you know, battles on the Atlantic, battles in the Pacific, and uh, during that time, people became God-fearing people. Uh, as I went to high school and graduated, um, uh, 470-something in my graduating class, out of that, I maybe two or three that weren't regular church-going people. Wow. It was, so World it, War II brought people back to church? Is that what it is? It, well, it did. It Well, it, it uh, you know, you get into those conflicts, and all of a sudden you're, you're – you're dealt with, you know, a little kind of those existential moments where you just say, okay, I got to find out what's, uh, why I'm here. And uh, uh, we're going to turn to a higher power to get us through this difficulty. Um, but Every time they go through some difficulties, mm-hmm. um, well, it was happening in a church uh, at nine, you know, the nine eleven crisis, mm-hmm. and uh, we had kind of a nominal church attendance from Sunday to Sunday, uh, but the Sunday following nine eleven, uh, we had to have two services that were packed to capacity. Wow. It was just like under the under the threat, under the guise of. Uh, of a crisis, uh, everybody kind of goes, oh, I better uh, oh, turn, back to, turn, back to, turn back to Allah. Yeah, go back and just check things out, make sure everything's good. Uh, and that lasted for a while. Uh, but after a while, it was kind of like, okay, uh, we're going to be okay. There's no big uh, crisis here. It was just uh, the one day event. And uh, then slowly everybody got back to normal. It's kind of like the guy who goes into the hospital with a severe heart problem and he prays out to God saying, God, you get me through this. I will serve you. I will be faithful to you. And he gets through it and he's faithful for a week or two or three. And then goes back to normal. But back to back to, yeah, back to party. (laughs) Uh, Brother Richard. Um, so when you uh, started practicing Christianity, what type of de- what denomination were you, and what was the rest of your life? What were you uh, practicing, and what was your family practicing? We were Baptist, Baptist, uh, and uh, very fundamental evangelical. Uh, yeah, we were Baptist. So then, as an evangelical, did you you led a church in the community for how many years? I was involved in Christian youth work a lot. Uh, I was involved in a number of churches, uh, but most of the big chunk of my time, I was a youth uh, minister uh, in Detroit. Oh, wow. Uh, we were involved with uh, what we called them. It was an organization called the Voice of Christian Youth. Uh, my office was at Eight Mile and Telegraph, and uh, we just dealt with kids in the city and uh, kids in the suburbs, too, but the kind of kids that we called that fell in the cracks. Mm. So, so back in, uh, yeah. sorry to cut you off. So back in the days in the 60s and 70s, 80s, I know Islam was growing, but it was heavily active in the African-American community. Did you come across, I'm sure you came across Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. 
and the, sure. uh, Malcolm X and these strong, influential people. Did they that? What was your take on hearing their names in Islam and back in the day? Did you ever meet them while we're at it? Did you ever meet any of these people? No, no. I I came from Maryland. Oh yeah. And, and my whole my whole life. I mean, we were. It was a very segregated community. Wow. Um, uh, we had, uh, you know, bathrooms for the whites and white, and we had bathrooms. Wow. They used the term the colored. Uh, we had separate drinking fountains, separate swimming pools. Um, out of a high school of two two thousand and something, I don't know, maybe ten African American students in the in the. Uh, it just. Um, it was bad. It was yeah. It was very very segregated. If you went to a movie theater, you had a separate seating for blacks, separate seating for whites. I mean, they were not allowed to play baseball. I mean, they couldn't be quarterbacks. All these, even in sports, we we find the challenges. Um, sure. So, where, where did you when you heard of like big celeb Muslim uh, icons? Did you did that alarm you? Anything about Islam? Did you think about it back then? You know, I never really gave it a whole lot of thought. Uh, Cassius Clay going to Muhammad Ali. I think what first kind of hit me was, uh, 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 yeah, let me think of his name here real quick. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, before he was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he was Lou Alcindor. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was kind of like, wow, that's kind of weird. Uh, but whatever. He was a good basketball player. And, uh, you know, that was like in another world. I was isolated in a very white world and a very church white world and Muslims were kind of somewhere else so yeah and at that time Muslims were not perhaps as integrated into the community either because you know the, they were, the they're growing they're growing yeah the migration took place in the you know 60s late 70s, the heavy immigration yeah even 80s right okay I mean, the first big flock of Muslims came in the early 1900s you know when we had the Lebanese yeah, and uh, Lebanese uh, Muslims came in, uh, but even earlier than that. But um, so you saw the name of Karim Abdul Jabbar, and you're like, wow, you know, like, and I'm talking about he has the most points in NBA history. One of the one of the biggest. When they talk about like the best player, they always uh, exclude the the name of Karim Abdul Jabbar for some reason, and I kind of get offended because mm -hmm. he was. I mean, there is no Le LeBron James hookshot without Karim Abdul Jabbar, you know. To some no. extent, you know, there's no Michael Jordan without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, but at the same time, uh, Kareem. So he he got you he got your attention because he was the biggest Muslim name so out there. So, so, brother Richard, like you 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 spent you know such a long portion of your life doing what you were doing. I I, I, I wanted to ask, during those years, um, um, did did you feel fulfilled doing the work you were doing? Yes, absolutely, positively, one hundred percent. I loved. And still love seeing, uh, you know, kids that are struggling. We when we talked about kids that were in the cracks. It was like, uh, you know, maybe it was a one-parent family, or they had no church connection, or they had some school problems. Something, some of the major props that kind of keep us standing were missing, and to go in and uh, point them to faith in God. And at the same time, help the problems. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, somebody's mm. in jail um, down, you know, I went to see some kids, you know, Wayne County Jail or out at Children's Village. Uh, 
you know, you walk in there and you're doing more than just saying, Hey, God loves you. You're, you gotta, you gotta help them figure out how they got there and uh, maybe avoid that in the future. So I it was a lot of counseling, a lot of talking. Most of my, I spent, I spent a lot of my time at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, um, talking, talking to kids. I, and see that move this up. Like, see, you see how the in the Christian community how devoted they were, in working on the youth, sitting with them in different restaurants, and you know it's a, it's a lesson for all of us as a Muslim community that you have uh, a, a a person who believes in Christianity, how convinced and con and dedicated they are to their message and propagating whether they're a Baptist or evangelical or what other denomination they are. They're just so com committed. You these uh, these um, you get. Before we used to get people to knock on our doors, but during COVID, people are calling. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So we must. Well, you know, let me just you... throw in one thought here. When we're talking about youth work, uh, talking about high school kids, college age kids, we always we spend a lot of time with them socially. Uh, I mean, not only just having a hamburger somewhere or going to Cedar Point or going on a camp out, but the concept was to be around them when that teachable moment hit that one moment they, they needed you that one moment when i mean you talk to a kid and you know the things are just bouncing off their mind but somewhere and it always seemed to happen later in the evening or in the middle of the night or something where it was like you're sitting around a campfire at a, at a camp and all of a sudden a kid starts to open up his heart to you and all of a sudden you have that that moment where you can go in and and share God and and help them where they're actually a teachable moment, and you and you can't just you can't pick it. You have to wait for it. So, brother Richard, um, where the million dollar question I have, you know, I'm sure Mufti Dohab has. Where did the inspiration come? Where did the awakening come? Where did you sense the light? Where did you feel the the pull towards the truth of Islam? Uh, it came. When I retired from the Christian ministry, I was in Christian ministry for 43 years wow. uh, as a pastor and as a youth worker. And uh, at the end of that, see, we were we were raised in a time when when the pastor got up front and said, he opened up this Bible and said, here's the truth. Here's what we believe. We just kind of believed it. Mm. There was not like a. Well, let's go and find out if if the manuscripts are right or if they're in. You know, we just didn't have that opportunity. Uh, when I wrote, you were blindly book, just following for so many years. Oh well, yeah. Well, when I when I went to write a term paper for school, I didn't have Google. I had a mm -hmm. I'd go to the library and I had to go through a card file and and do research. And all of a sudden, as the years went on, um, all of a sudden, I used the term Googleized. I was Googleized. As things became available, I could start doing research mm -hmm. uh, into the truths and to the non-truths and go, wow, there's a lot of holes in, in my faith, in my Christian faith. And I went from retirement and within two years, I was basically an agnostic. Oh, wow. Wow. You so became agnostic. Where I was like, Man, I, I mean, the Bible just there was manuscript problems. There were there were doctrinal problems. Can you, can you tell us one major problem that got you alerted? 
the, probably the biggest thing was an incident with a young man who was kind of our, uh, one of the, I uh, we use the term poster child, but kind of a, one of our leaders, one of the high school kids who was just, you know, he was the Bible memorizer, the, the church leader, whatever. And after he got out of college and was married a few years later, he announced to the world that he was now an atheist. And I was like, dude, man, what do you mean you're an atheist? You, you quote, you, you can quote more of the Bible than, than anybody I know. Huh. And, uh, so I get on the phone. He was living in Utah then. And uh, so, you know, Reverend Rich is going to come and fix it. Well, what happened was he started asking probing questions. He would ask doctrinal questions. And I would grab my theology books and I'd say, well, it was because of this, this, and this, and this. And, I, um, and he would ask another question. It was a little deeper. And I go, well, I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Uh, let me get back to you. And the more questions he asked, the more answers I did not have. Yeah. Wow. And during that time, I was just like, wow, this is this is crazy. So someone becoming an atheist, you try to challenge him and help him, and he challenged you, well, uh, and you were practicing Christianity for your whole life, and you were a minister and a pastor, and now... You're put in the back seat, like I don't have answers, and yeah. now this brought speculation to your. Yeah, Richard, you said something called bi Bible memorizer. I just wanted to catch that word. Does that mean some people memorize portions of the Bible or or, or the Old Testament or the New Testament? Do they, do they memorize it or do they memorize different chapters? What do they do? Yeah, we had a youth program. It's a nationwide program, still exists, called Bible quizzing, uh, where mm. it's uh, churches have uh, kind of like a kind of like a debate, kind of quiz bowl uh, kind of it's a competition. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Got competition. And we would take a New Testament book and the kids would memorize the book for that year. Uh, whether it's the 28 chapters of Matthew or uh, Romans or any of those. Whatever it was. I'm, really, I'm really interested in getting your answer. So what happened after you had that conversation with him? Well, the biggest, the biggest question I keep coming back to was I don't know how to, how to how to say this. It was like I couldn't believe in the in the in the exclusive Christian God. He kept saying he kept asking questions about what about the people that have never heard the message of Jesus alayhi salam. It was like what if they if they because the Christian story is if you do not receive Christ into your life. You're lost and 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 you're you're condemned to hell. And we kept asking, "Well, what about somebody you never heard? What about somebody who was raised in a whole different culture, a different family?" And uh, he would say, "Well, it was just their responsibility." And he was asking a question about maybe somebody in a remote area. Just kind of think about the most remote section of the world. You know, somebody in a village, they have no electricity, they don't have water, they don't have news, they don't have anything. They, they just they just don't know. Hmm. What about them? Would God be fair to them? And the answer kept saying, coming back saying, no, it's their responsibility to look up to the skies and see the glories of heavens and the stars and the earth and go, there must be a God. I better find him and I got to find him. 
find a, a, a find about a god, find about his book, find about his savior, and invite him in. Otherwise, I'm lost. And I was like, I, that that was not the god I could believe in. It was like, I it's like God's better than that. You know, it's like there's got to be a nope. That's the way it is. I mean, to, you know, you, obviously you start with the Christian doctrine of original sin, uh, that all babies are born in sin. Uh, when, you know, the first moments of their life, they are a condemned sinner. Wow. Now, there's, there's a little grace time until they get to be 12 or 13. But after that, they are responsible um, to receive, uh, as this, you know, I'll just use the, the terminology, the atonement that God provided through Christ on the cross, and you have to accept that and ask for forgiveness and uh, and be saved, be born again, whatever term you want to use. And uh, so yes. it's like you're, you. So I I, I know I, it's gonna be, I, I sorry for cutting you off, but I want to because of I time I, I want to move ahead to the discussion where. In 2000, you said 2018, you accepted Islam. So yeah. what were the chain of events happening with you within the last six months? I'm sure you have family and you have friends. So it, it was a big move. And, and what was it, the spark that said, fine, I did you read the translation of the Quran? Did you meet someone? Did you come across something that mm -hmm. got your attention? Well, I met the first and had the first conversation with a Muslim in my life. Um, I... Prior to that, I was driving down uh, US 23 here in uh, Livingston, Washington County one afternoon, and I was at the end of my rope going, there's no God. Uh, I, is there a God? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. Uh, I'm 71 years old. Uh, you know, life's kind of passed me by here. This is getting kind of scary. And I was driving, and I looked up out of my windshield. I was like, I said, God, if you're there, you're going to have to show me. You're wow, gonna to, you're gonna to have to guide me and show me something really, really tangible. And you know, I want to hold you there for a second because there's so many people that have converted or converted to Islam. That is what I heard from. They've asked sincerely, yes. God guide me. You know, like and anyone that has sincerely asked for guidance, Absolutely. God never uh, ignores their call. Okay, then what happened, sir? Well, through a whole series of events, I ended up meeting a guy in. Uh, in a cellular store, a 19-year-old young man from the Muslim Unity Center. And uh, after about three or four weeks, I ended up getting his phone, uh, you know, for, for his service because I was kind of a uh, research guy. I'd kind of like, uh, tell me a little bit more about this service. Okay, what does it cover here? Yeah, okay. What other features? And so he would tell me, I'd go home, do some research, go back. And we did that about three or four days. And uh, one day I was like, um, uh, bro, you need to understand. He was, you know, the store was in Brighton. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Brighton in this area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brighton, very, very upscale, uh, very um, rich, and very white. <laughs> and I was like, my brown brother, you may get a kickback or two standing here at this store just 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 going to warn you um i'm not a prophet but it did happen that uh, he you know he, he got some people saying why don't you go back where you came from and 
he was going west normal. the normal so, yeah. yeah the kind of things and uh when i said that he's i said i said of course now i said i said i don't have any islamophobia i don't have any xenophobia i don't you know i'm you know and he said well you should know i am muslim i went really i don't think i've ever talked to a muslim before wow you know that i want to stop you there for a second 63% of Americans, I mean, non-Muslims have never met a Muslim. No. Yeah, Urbajan, they, they claim they've never met a Muslim because it is the responsibility of Muslims if they're the cashier at a workshop or if they're the person serving them at GM or Ford or Chrysler or if they're their Uber driver, whoever they may be, they're kind, gentle people, but many a times their kindness and their gentleness is reflected to themselves and not their religion. Yeah, so they're, they're not. They're not proud. Oh, they're proud of it, but they're still a little shy. A lot of times, it's not. It's not that you know. I don't think it's always like it's. They're not proud, or they're they're they're, they're grieving, or they're uh, you know they're trying to hide. It's just that it's not a conscientious decision to show that you're Muslim, right? But brother Richard, I mean, I I you know a lot of times the people that we meet just you know what I'm gonna do now if I see a white guy or a non-Muslim, takbir, Allahu Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, just, I mean, no, but, it's. I, his, story, his story, you know, teaches us a simple lesson that Hidayah doesn't necessarily come from the biggest sheikh in the world, from the biggest mufti in the world, the biggest yep. alim in the world, or the biggest yep. speaker in the world. Hidayah is a responsibility on every single individual. This is a, a cashier at a phone store here. A old kid named Hassan from, from, from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, who became the source of Hidayah for this man who lived his entire life in Christianity, never thinking about Islam. Never thinking about Islam. And he's right? claiming this is the first time he met a Muslim. First time he met a Muslim. So, dear brothers and sisters, the responsibility is on our shoulders, right? We have to make sure that when we're kind, people know who we are. Because if they don't know who we are, then how are they going to know Islam is beautiful, right? Yeah. I mean, people, uh, Richard, I believe this. I, I, again, I, you're talking about 2018 when Brother Richard has gone through 9-11, he's gone through the Islamophobe uh, lifestyle, and we're talking about Post Donald, the Donald's election. Donald, the Donald. Yeah. Correct. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. This is post the. <laughs> that is. But but brother Richard, you can go ahead. But I, I, go I was, ahead. I was going to end by saying that the 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 thought that um, you know we don't know where guidance will come from. That that knowledge only lies with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and neither are we responsible to give that guidance. But as long as people know who we are and know that we're Muslim. Uh, it will give us, it will at least relieve us of our responsibility, right? That we did our job and we can feel good about ourselves. But Brother Richard, you met this guy for the first time and he had an effect on your life, right? He, yes. Just, just, you, went to, you went to, did he take you to the Unity Center? Did you go there yourself? What happened? Um, no, I just kept going back to the cell store week after week. <laughs> and he kept telling me a little bit more about Islam. And I'd go home and read a little read. Um, wow. And I was there one day. The most significant thing that happened was I was there and uh, they weren't busy and he had some time and he said, you know, it's it was prayer time. It was time for Salah. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been uh, the, the afternoon prayer or prayer or, or the Asr or something in the afternoon. And he said, I'm going to pray. Why don't you come and watch and just sit and watch how, how we pray? Wow. And uh, so I don't. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Because, you know, what was in my heart was why I never became an atheist. I became, you know, like, that's agnosticism. But it's like, I can't 
get to the point of saying there is no God. I can't get there. It's just like there I has to be one. And so when I went back, he prayed. He gave me a copy of the, the, the Salah in English, uh, the Fariha and the Tashud and everything, so I could follow along. And uh, he, he went through his prayer in Arabic and had the rug on the floor and, uh, you know, the Sajud and Raku and the whole thing. And and it was like, this is beautiful. Bajan, one of the beauties and one of the, the specialties of our religion that we don't really think about, Brother Richard, because we don't reflect upon this, is our religion, the Prophet says, is Ju'ilatliya our in, the entire earth has been made a place of worship for us. We mm. are not confined to the mosque to pray in. We can pray anywhere and everywhere as long as the area is pure. Yes. If we think about that, praying five times a day was not as difficult because the people of Musa had to pray inside of the synagogue the, the, the three times they had to pray. Yes. We yeah. were given the, the, the option of praying anywhere. So if it wasn't for the fact that we could pray anywhere, how many how many guided souls would not have been guided? You know, I prayed once in the Detroit airport. You know, praying in an airport is always interesting, right? Oh my God! Don't ask me. <laughs> <Always interesting. laughs> it's like it's like you have to pray. Uh, you know, you can't go. Out I, 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 I want to ask him a quick question, okay. Mr. Richard. Have you ever crossed the border after accepting Islam? No. No. So, I, have you ever met uh, like a, a, a law enforcement or someone from the uh, from the you know? TSA, have you ever identified yourself as a Muslim? Have they ever had a reaction to them? like, wow, you're Muslim, you're white, and you're Muslim? Has that ever happened? No, 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 never happened. I, I uh, my, my, my world travels uh, uh, was prior to uh, crazy things going on, and I would get as far away as Windsor. Oh, so now yeah. you don't travel that much anymore? I never traveled that much, even, uh, even younger, growing up. Okay. Sorry, Mufti Dohab, go ahead. Mufti Dohab, you're saying something about the airport. You were praying to I finish it. I'll say it after. I think okay. Go yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to finish the story. Of, I watched the prayer. He, he showed me the prayer, and I was like, oh, okay. It was an English version. He said, you can pray that prayer at home. Wow. You know, just, just, he said, you know, get your compass out. And he showed me how to, you know, to look towards Mecca. And, uh, he really didn't even show me the the, the procedures of, uh, of wudu. He didn't talk about uh, uh, we stand, we we bow, we kneel, nothing. He just said, you, know, you just pray it. And uh, so I got home, and the thing that I told him, I said, you know, I said, one thing I really want to do is I want to read the entire Quran so I'm, you know, verify what's going on here. And... Uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a better idea. And uh, so I, I was reading the Quran. So I was, I'm going to pray. And so I got actually in this very room that I'm in right now. It's kind of my little office area. And I prayed and I faced towards uh, the northeast. And uh, I got up. I stood up with my sheet of paper in front of me. And I went, in the name of Allah. And it, that's all the further I got. It was like God came in, opened my heart, and I, I, I stood in here. I stood here and wept for like half an hour. Wow. Uh, and I, I was like, 
and I didn't know why, except it was like, you know, the, the concept of Allah guides us and he opens our hearts. And he did that. And it, was, and it took me an hour to get through the prayer. But so I took it out and I'm going, okay, this is day two. I, you know, I didn't know to pray five times a day. I was like, well, oh, once a day should work. And the second day, in the name of a lot, the same thing. I just, I was overwhelmed wow. with, with, with the presence of God. And I think as I look back on it, you know, Christians are Christians for the, for the concept is they, they worship Christ. And um, it's like, all of a sudden it's like, I connected with the creator mm. and it's like, it was overwhelming. And that happened two or three days. And I finally said, okay, I, I called your son. I was like, I said, bro, I'm coming over. And um, so he said, yeah, I'm fine. We don't have any customers here today right now going on. So I walked into the store and he goes, you know, hey, Rich, how's he doing? And I just walked right up to him and said, Hassan, I am Muslim. Wow. SubhanAllah. And he goes, what do you mean? I just said, I am Muslim. And he gets on the phone and tells his mom, mom, you know that guy we've been talking to and you have been praying for? Wow. He just to the store wow. and he says he's Muslim. Wow. So what do we do now? So yeah. they called, they called the, um, you know, Sheikh Amah. Um, at, uh, at the Unity Center and this was all during Ramadan and they said well wait till Ramadan's over come on out here on a Friday we'll do Shahada and uh, we did that um, about a Friday or two after Ramadan 2018 What was the feeling of walking in on a Friday into the Muslim Unity Center and seeing hundreds of people and you um, repeating uh, the, the phrase of accepting Islam what was your feeling there? Um, I was just very excited. I, in, in, in a sense, I kind of felt like, you know, I hadn't done the formal kind of thing, but but kind of like, no, right. this, this, is, this is the right, yeah, this is the right trail. And, uh, you know, I was a preacher, okay? You know, standing up in front with a microphone and doing something is, is kind of normal. And uh, so we got up there and they allowed me to tell my story a little bit. And, uh, you know, and then, you uh, um, Ghassan had had prompted me in uh, how to do the Shahada. He didn't, so I had it on my phone. So I, you know, I read it in English and Arabic. Uh, he had given me uh, amazing pronunciation there, and um, you know, I was very excited. It was, it was the most hugs I ever got in my life in one day. <laughs> it's overwhelming, isn't it? All those hugs coming. I, you know, it was a, I got flowers. I got uh, somebody give me a kufi. It was amazing. It was uh, it was quite quite a time. See, uh, and right away you felt that you have not just accepted Islam, but you found a new family. Absolutely, absolutely. Really? Uh, I became a friend with Ghassan and all of his young buddies. <laughs> it was kind of weird, but uh, uh, it was really a very very interesting time. And uh, so you know, the uh, the folks there have just been been great, and. Um, uh, it's a little bit of a drive, so we've been kind of hanging out lately during the uh, COVID things and stuff down at the uh, Muslim community, western suburbs in Canton. You know, Mufti Dohabai, you want to ask this question, but, you know, usually one of the biggest challenges with the Sahaba, with the people who accept Islam, is that their family, their friends, 
and the way they react. Um, did you go public about it? Did you go on your social media? And was there any hateful? And if there was hate, what did you see? And have others converted in your hands from the, the belief that you have? Um, you know, I uh, I was a closet Muslim for a, a bit of time. Okay, okay. And I was like, that makes I'm, sense. I'm, you know, I'm not telling anybody anything. Uh, uh, I mean, I even told my wife. I'm just, yeah, I'm going out with Gassan. Oh, so your wife didn't know? No, no, no. Wow. I, I said, I'm going. I'm going with him out there. We're just going to pray at the at the at the at the mosque. And uh, so she was like, oh, okay. And then the next Friday, it was like. Yeah, that was kind of nice. I think I'm going to go again, and go again. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, you know, it was. Um, uh, but I reached a point one Saturday morning where it was just like, you know, I've got this wonderful media thing here called Facebook, and I just <laughs> went and just like, okay, all my friends, I just want to let you know that I have found faith in God. Uh, as a Muslim, I refaith in God, kind of a rebirth, so to speak, uh, and uh, I just kind of kind of went public, and I it was a really interesting response. It was like dead silence for a long time. Yeah, you know, I'm going either the either all my Christian friends are going okay, he's starting to lose it. You know, we're just kind of he's an older man. We're going to give him a. Okay. You know, but then eventually we got we got some good slaps in the face and uh, uh, some um, we used to call it the left foot of fellowship uh, where they kind of disown you, uh, including my oldest son who wow. was like no 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 I'm not going to have a Muslim dad. So do you do you do you still talk to your son? No. Subhanallah, guys, listen to this. They they are people like you who who accept Islam, it's so many times where the children accept Islam and the parents disown them. They don't want to talk to their parents. Parents don't, don't want to talk to their children. That, that's a story that we hear all the time. Here, yeah. you're the father who accepts Islam and your eldest son just cannot accept it and he, dis he disassociates from you. Yes. And so it's been years that you haven't spoken to him and, and, and that's the challenge. And that also proves the conviction of your faith that... Mm -hmm. The fact that your son doesn't accept or your friends do not acknowledge or they've, you know, they've isolated you and alienated you, that does not stop you from practicing what you believe. That's unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, honestly, man, I think this is my first time hearing a converse story in such detail, a reverse story, in such, you know, um, uh, nuanced detail. Like, people still, like, we talk about sahabas and their sacrifices and their leaving their families and their... You know, um, their children's being pulled away from them, and Umm Salma and her child, and you know, th these things are still happening, man. And you know, our statement was that if you don't have a revert in your community, that means you haven't seen, uh, if you haven't, you, you haven't seen true Islam because wow. those people truly understand the beauty of Islam because they left so much. And to, for, you know, the, the, the beautiful hadith Bajan, that you know man you know man that, that, that whoever leaves something which is impermissible you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them something which is much better for them right correct so Richard you perhaps you know are, can are not speaking terms with your eldest son's son but you have all of us right? we have so many children now so many children. Yes. Like, you know really like you know yeah. it, it, Islam does something very different 
in which it, when the person enters into Islam, everything prior to that is forgiven, forgotten, and it's a new, like the new beginning is literally yeah. a new beginning. When Umar became Muslim, no one asked him, why did you come with the sword for again? I was like, we're cool, man. We're brothers and we're, we're family now, right? And right. like that feeling of, you know, joy you felt, many of us never felt. So in many ways, your faith has, you know, uh, is concrete in ways that we've never experienced. Um, so, you know, we look up to you for that and we, and we applaud you for that and we revere you for that. And hopefully... Brother Richard, has any friend or family member become... has uh, has Have they accepted Islam through your story or anything? Uh, I've had two people accept Islam through... Uh, uh, I put my story in print is, is what I've sent to you there. And... Uh, uh, you know, I've kind of hooked up a little bit here with uh, Sheikh Yusuf Hestis, and uh, I do a TV thing with him a couple nights a week, and uh, I travel with him a little bit when before COVID came, uh, just sharing my story and stuff. And uh, we were on the uh, the TV broadcast there on Guidus TV, and uh, we got a call in from a lady in uh, San Diego. Mm -hmm. And she was a Baptist girl, uh, not a girl, woman, who had been in uh, the music ministry of her church for a long time. And she had followed uh, a little bit of, of Yusuf Estes and seeing his teachings. And, um, and then she saw me give my testimony on the Dean show. And... Uh, but she puts that together with what she already had learned a little bit. And uh, uh, she called in one Friday and did Jihada on the, on the show. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. Really good. And so, then, how, was your, how was your wife? I mean, I think people are wondering what happened with that. Yeah, she's, she's, she's fine. Um, you know, she still practices her Christian world, uh, but she's very accommodating and, uh, very accepting of me and where I'm at. That's amazing. And, uh, That's amazing. What else could you ask for? That's exactly what we asked for. And, yeah. and you've been blessed with a really loyal spouse. Well, we've been, we've been hanging out together for 53 years as spouses. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, where are you guys going to go now? You guys got to stay together. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to start all over. Yeah, exactly. But that's a smart choice. And, and hopefully... Through your character and your wisdom, um, more good will come through to lives of many people. And your story has inspired us. You know, sometimes these stories, they uh, spark interest in non-Muslims. You know, people of your complexion, particularly. Yeah. Um, to know it's this white man from Maryland accepted Islam. Um, there must be something about this religion. Let me, I have to research it. So it brings this curiosity to, this, to the white folks, which is... Sometimes, sometimes uh, a, a, a denomination or race that kind of ignores Islam or doesn't give attention to it. Uh, alhamdulillah, from the black community, it's unbelievable. One third after African Americans that were brought into forced slavery were Muslims. So there is a heritage of Islam in the African American community. Some yeah. of the white community, um, they're good people, good hearts. I've met them, very knowledgeable. I've traveled with them. I've, every flight that I've sat next to a Caucasian man, particularly, I've had a conversation on Islam. One day I was on a flight and this person, 
he was very nervous. He was sitting next to me. I'm make the story, <laughs> story short. I, I don't blame him. And I, I think yeah, were, were you turbaned though? I was I was traveling somewhere south, that's for sure. Oh uh, you know, that's and, a and um so Oklahoma. huh? In Oklahoma, I think. I think Oklahoma. Oh my. And and uh this was just before a few months before COVID. And uh the guy goes to me, Are you Muslim? I'm like, heck yeah, I'm a Muslim, you know, I'm proud, you know. My. But uh he, I mean, what else do you want to know? I travel the way I, I dress for Juma almost, you know. So I said, yeah. He says, um, I got some questions. I said, you're speaking to the right guy. He said, is it true in Islam? Like he came out, he came out hard. You know, we, we introduced each other in the first question. Before I could even ask him, he said, I've been waiting to meet a Muslim. I wow. said, okay, here you are. And before I can introduce myself, he can introduce himself. He said, I've heard that in Islam that you're taught to lie to non-Muslims. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, in Islam, I was like, mm, man, I was like, I was like, man, I wish my parents knew that I would have lied to parents. <laughs> like, no way, that's not allowed. Like, one of the biggest um, warnings in the Quran is about lying. You know, uh, Allah says a curse is upon liars. You know, there's so many, uh, you know, uh, warnings and threats against people people who have a habit of lying. I said, no, Prophet our teacher Muhammad. And I gave him the narrations and the versions. And one of the first things that he was recognized for was he was the most truthful, most honest. And the religion is based on the back of a, such an honest person. It's, it can't be this. So I said, this is blasphemy on the religion. Well, there, you know, there might be some, you know, uh, showered, uh, watered down domination within people who claim to practice Islam, have that narrative. I asked him, what do you do? He says, I'm a U.S. Marine. Or, you know, he works, he's in the U.S. Army or something. I said, perfect, man. I got to give you more da'wah. I got to talk to you, you know, because you're probably going to be deployed to Iraq or somewhere. You didn't know about our religion. And, you know, hopefully you'll have some sympathy on innocent people, or some, you know, around the world. So we talked for an hour or so. Mm. And, and and it was really powerful. And he got interested in Islam. But really, you know, there are people. So that denomination doesn't get the exposure as much. Now they see you. It sparks an interest. And, and the next thing is Muslims, us, as a sheikh, as Mufti Abdul Wahab, and the listeners who are all Muslims. You might have few non-Muslims that tune in sometimes. We get re-inspired. Is that right, Mufti Sahib? 100%. Like, we are sure that Islam is true. We are 100%. We, are, we know our religion is true. We don't need any affirmation, but it makes us feel good that someone like you, someone black, someone white, uh, Hispanic, uh, Chinese, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what race they come from. When they accept Islam in our community, it gives us so much hope. Islam is growing. Our children are Muslim. And it gives us, and it gives us a sense of pride, man. Like, yeah. we, we, we were, Allah blesses us with Islam since the day that we left our mother's wombs. Like, we, we, we should feel so proud that Allah SWT has given us Hidayah. And Brother Richard, like, you inspire. Look, we live in a very interesting world. We take inspiration wherever we can get it. And that's yeah. Advice, even if it's written on a wall. So, like, I, I think that literally. I go into airports, I actually look on the wall and I find all these nice, beautiful coats. Uh, you know, like, so, so, but Richard, you, you, um, you, you're, you living here, or inshallah, you'll have a lengthy life, or after we pass away, inshallah, you continue to inspire people through your story. Um, and, and I, I want you to finish, Brother Richard, because I know you have something else to add and to, you know, end with. So I want you to give you a few, few moments to end your story. Inshallah, we can call it a night. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me just give you the quickie how I've met a Muslim. Uh, it was, it was, you know, I prayed and I said, God, guide me, mm -hmm. lead me somewhere. 
Well, he, he led me. Here's how, he, how Allah put this thing together. I was at a business meeting in Ohio, met a guy from Pittsburgh who told me about the kind of wireless system that Ghassan was selling. Mm. That was about a year before all that. And I went, well, okay, that's nice. Uh, and so I just kind of filed that away and uh, never thought about it again. Mm -hmm. uh, but I used to go to a barber in Brighton to get my hair cut. And that barber was in a Kroger mall, mm. a supermarket. Well, Kroger decided to make the whole store their place. So they kicked my barber out. <laughs> and my barber had to go find a new place. So, But in the meantime, an entrepreneur from West Bloomfield decided to start a cellular store in Brighton. And his and he he's not Muslim, but a boy up the street, Ghassan, was looking for a job. And he said, well, I've got one, but it's clear out in Brighton, which was about a 45-minute drive. And Ghassan said, eh, okay, I'll take it. And so we got the store in Brighton. We got Ghassan now from West Bloomfield out to Brighton. And the barber shop moved two doors down from the wireless store. <laughs> so that... So the next time I go to get a haircut, I see this wireless store. And I remember the guy from Pittsburgh who said, this is great stuff and it's cheaper. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, and the other part was Gassan's a college student. He was only working on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Wow. I went to get my haircut on a Tuesday. Mm. And, uh, and I see all those kind of things happening and I'm going. God's giving you a message. I, I get the message. You got the message. I get the message. And so any of those days when I you know, have a moment of doubt, like maybe we all do at times, it's just like, no, no, no. no this, is, this, is, this is too too obvious uh, for me to have doubts. And, uh, um, Allah bless you, Brother Richard. Thank you, thank you so much, Mr. I want, everybody, I want everybody in the chat to just congratulate Brother Richard and give him uh -huh. some kind words and, uh, and support and prayers he's inspired you and you please keep him in your prayers in the chat drop something kind he can read it and then share his story with your family friends and inspire others and if you have any non-muslim friends who are interested in islam you can reach out to miftah and we can connect you with brother richard mm -hmm. right and well, you, yeah you have a copy of my story man just just send it 100 yeah. yeah we'll share it and you can can they can probably find you online and I, I encourage I encourage Brother Richard to really blog about this and talk about this and, and influence more people because he has a reach to certain denominations that we don't have access to. Um, Mufti Dohab, I mean, you want to call yeah, it a night, inshallah? I say, Brother Richard, mashallah, he's joining. He, you know, there's uh, Imam Khalid Salim, who's from the Kenton area, who mashallah does a, an, an absolutely amazing job with. I love him, Brother oh, Khalid Salim. Yeah. Oh. He does an amazing job with uh, with uh, converts and reverts. May Allah bless him. There are people in our community who are doing work. Just because we don't know about it doesn't mean it's not happening. Uh, we have to find a place where we can add value. If it's in a cell phone shop, then that's what it is, right? Um, everyone should become, you know, Sheikh Sunnah Mullah Bajan, he always says, inspire to aspire before you expire. Mm. <laughs> inspire to aspire before you expire. So uh, let's, be, let's, let's be a source of inspiration for at least ourselves yeah. and people that meet us through our character. But Richard, thank you so much. Yeah, we're supposed to invite people. We don't have to do any. That's not a responsibility. Just invite them. 
invite. You know, I, when I was in England, right, this lady met me, a Muslim who converted to Islam. She said, I don't know why you guys are hiding your Islam. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Why are you scared? Why are you shy? You know, I mean, just be proud of it. And, and this is a story that Brother Richard reminds us. Such a beautiful religion. And there are so many people on the edge who are ready to accept Islam, but we're just, maybe we're the, the reason why they can't accept it because we haven't reached out enough to them. May Allah give us a tawfiq to do that. And we're so blessed to, though those who were born Muslim, we're so blessed. And those who converted to Islam, may God reward them for their struggle, for their challenges and grant them the best world and, and best of this world and the next world. And we should thank Allah for Islam. We have the best religion. Uh, we're so blessed. We are grateful to God. Alhamdulillah. We thank God that He's guided us to this religion. And no one except Him could have guided us towards this beautiful path. We thank Him so much. People like Brother Richard give double the reward. You know? Yeah, yeah. He was a Christian, Christian, and then after he became Muslim, so he gets double the reward. Double the reward, brother Richard. And God bless you. May Allah bless you. Yeah, well, I'm writing. I'm finishing up a book. I'm almost done. It's uh, my journey, how I came to Islam, and the 20 main doctrinal uh, problems that uh, that caused me to to come that direction. Amazing. We were looking forward to that book, Mufti yeah. Wahab. I thank you, Mufti Wahab, for right. joining us and organizing this event. We had uh, Ustad. Beautiful artist, Nasheed singer, Ma'ad um, al-Nasi did a great job. And then we had Brother Richard joining us tonight. We had Brother Hafiz Nur Huda who recited the Quran earlier. And always Mufti Abdul Wahab with his smile, with his uh, humility, with his wisdom. He always tantalizes us and, and he brings us great joy. Um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you make us smile. Sometimes you make us laugh. Either way, Mufti Abdul Wahab, we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. I want to encourage everyone that has joined us on Miftah tonight to subscribe, subscribe to our channel. Please make sure uh, you uh, follow Miftah Institute on YouTube. Uh, hit the uh, bell icon on, on Facebook. This is a story you want to share. This is a story you want to make sure it goes viral. Share with your friends, your neighbors, your followers, anyone that you know. But brother was asking what happened at the airport. Nothing much. I, I was praying Salat. No one came and hit me. This could be a sister. Uh, this could no, be a sister too. Oh, could be a sister. Uh, brother or sister, sorry. Uh, no one came and hit me. No one bothered me. Just a lady came and um, she said to me, Dear son, I have never seen something so peaceful in my life. Oh, non-Muslim. Non-Muslim. Yeah. Dear son, I have never seen anything so peaceful in my life. Keep praying to God. Uh, so it's a lot of peaceful, man. So Jazakallah khair, Bajan. May Allah bless you for your time, your energy, and your humor. I think it keeps the thing that makes Friday night live is is your is your liveness. So don't, me, don't <laughs> make me blush. Don't, don't make me blush. blush. Okay, right, so guys, thank you. So Salamu alaikum. Good night, brother Richard, and good night, Mufisnab. Salamu alaikum.